0: Health Matters with Karen Key. And a very good evening to you and welcome to this week's edition of Health Matters. On the show this evening, I'll be joined by Dr. Christina Stradorm, Scientific Affairs and Education Manager at 3M ESPE Division, and we'll be chatting about aesthetic dentistry. Christine Rogers will be on the line and she has a special interest in the diagnosis and management of vestibular and balance disorders, especially in the elderly. And with this being the National Month of the Elderly, which runs from May the 15th to 15th of June, we'll be focusing on all of that as it affects the elderly. Dr. Ahmed Majra is a paediatric allergologist in private practice in Durban and he'll be giving us the good news about a new antihistamine treatment for urticaria. And finally, I'll be chatting with Andrew Thomas, founder and managing director of Better You. He's currently in South Africa from the UK to promote his new innovation, oral vitamin spray, which research has shown to be better than pills in nutrient delivery. And just a reminder that there's a list of available documents for Health Matters. Go to the Facebook page, Health Matters on SAFM. And if you'd like any of them, post a message on Facebook. But please do remember to include your email address so I can send them to you, or you can Drop me a mail to health matters at safm.co.za and I'll send you the list and then you can choose what you'd like. Well that's the lineup for this evening. I do hope you'll stay with me and enjoy the show here on SAFM. Health Matters with Karin Key Aesthetic Dentistry is an area of dentistry whose goal is to restore the natural beauty of teeth aesthetic or cosmetic dentistry combines all disciplines of odontology the aim of cosmetic dentistry is to make your smile look natural healthy and friendly dr christina Strädum is scientific affairs and education manager at 3m espe division and she joins me now dr Stradom, good evening welcome to the show Good evening, and thank you for inviting me. Now, I mentioned the words aesthetic dentistry. It makes me think we're all going to look very beautiful when, when when it's all done. But can you just explain, there's a lot of new technology in this industry. Can you just explain a little bit about how all this works?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, what I will do is I will just, aesthetic dentistry as such is a very wide, wide field. So I think what I will concentrate on is what is probably one of the, um, can I call it, um, Easier techniques yes. of aesthetic dentistry, and that is what we call direct aesthetic dentistry. That is when uh, a dentist will um, alter, shape, repair, if cavities of the teeth, if the patient is not um, uh, completely satisfied with the appearance of their teeth, where they can do it by placing direct restoratives or fillings onto the teeth. So it's going into a dental practice, and they can actually do an initial consultation and after that decide what they want to do and literally in a very short time they can uh, uh, alter the teeth. Um, But naturally there's quite a lot of planning involved in that but it's an easy easy way to do it.
0: So this doesn't involve putting implants in, It's, it's actually working with your existing teeth but just making them better? It's making
1: them better. Sometimes the existing they may, uh, yeah, this is not where there's really teeth completely missing there. You need to do a little bit more work, but it's making existing teeth better. Say there's discolorations. say it's got a a weird shape, maybe it's misaligned or anything like that. Um, Yeah, then one can, in a very simple technique, change that. Saying that. It can be very simple. It can also be more involved. Sometimes you may need to move some of the teeth with orthodontics or anything like that, so it can get more involved, but still fairly simple and straightforward work. Now, is, is it, yeah? Sorry, carry on. And what, what I want to say is the reason why they can do such work is that in the recent, I would say in the last 10 years, there was a lot of... Um, technology development in the field of dental materials and what they can actually do due to technologies like nano filler technology and that. They can make materials with um, the opacity of dentine because remember teeth, is not just those white things that is in your mouth, uh, that sits in your mouth. A tooth has dentine on the inside that's completely opaque and it's surrounded by enamel, which is totally translucent. And if you look at the color of the teeth, there's different things involved in the color of the teeth, how it reflects light, everything like that. So what technology can give us is materials that mimics dentine,
0: these materials that mimic, mimics
1: enamel. So what the dentist can do is he can dye both of the teeth
0: to be more natural. Gosh, there's a lot more that we can do now than we've ever been able to do before. And currently, 3M has one of the world's leaders in aesthetic dentistry. Dr. Marcus Vargas is in the country to speak to the dentist, the professionals here in in South Africa.
1: Yes, that's correct. We actually at the moment just finished uh, one of his training lectures in Cape Town, and he spoke about this direct dental techniques most of his lecture centered around that because even in this technique one can do it in a very simple uh, and more cost-effective in- cost way or you can do it still very cost-effective but because it's a more complex technique you can do it with multiple shades um, because of the time involved in that the the time, the expertise and everything, it's a little bit more pricey, but there are various ways to do it. So, yes, he was—he is at the moment. We will go to Durban uh, uh, later in this week, and he will also do a lecture there. We will also have, a, if I can call it that, a quick evening in George with a handful of dentists of there, but, yeah, he is here to train our dentist on this uh, technique. Saying that there is already, because I've just mentioned that this, this materials and these techniques has been around for a long time. So there are already, a, I would say, a lot of dentists in South Africa who are practicing these techniques. It's just that, you know, you can always learn something.
0: Now, these, these th- procedures that we have done, if we come and have some of this restorative work done, is this a permanent fix or would we have to go back again later or how does that actually work?
1: Ah, that depends on how well it was done. Um, in his lecture tonight, he said he normally tells his patients uh, or his clients that it's uh, 8 to 10 years, but he showed us, for example, a case that he's done 18 years ago mm. and it still looks fantastic.
0: Now, Dr. Stratum as a dentist yourself, I, I need some advice from you. How do we look after our teeth that we don't need to get to that point where we have to go and get our teeth restored? What should we be doing on a daily basis?
1: Ah, plain and simple, keep your teeth clean. <laughs> yeah, I would say brush twice a day at least. But normally, if you brush well and if you clean well twice a day, is more than good enough. If you can't even handle that once a day, but more important than that, I would say is flossing. Mm -hmm. You need to floss, but not just flossing, but correct flossing. I know there's a lot of advertisements uh, about the use of um, oral uh, mouthwashes and all of that, but nothing beats good flossing. It's the only way that you can clean between your teeth, and that is very important.
0: Now, if we have the... If we have these restorative procedures done, is there a different way that we would need to care for our teeth? Obviously, we need to be careful we don't damage them. But what do we what do we need to do in that case?
1: No, no, same it's thing. Just the same, because once the restorations are done, it's like your it's like your own teeth. The only important thing there is, especially um, uh, when one has bad habits. Let's say, you know, women often open hair grips.
0: Oh yes, with teeth. (laughs) And they
1: seem to put it in their hair. Or you get people who chew ice. Now, bad habits like that, you cannot go on with bad habits like that once you have this restorations done, because you may get small chips in them or something. But apart from that, you can eat. I mean, if you want to eat a a chop, I mean, we're after all in South Africa. If if you want to bite us a chop or eat something else like apples or eat corn from the cup or that, that's not a problem. But one shouldn't have uh, continue with bad habits. The other thing you can't do in the care of your teeth is, I know bleaching is very popular. Mm. And I know some people do all sorts of over-the-counter uh, uh, bleaching or that. The one important thing to remember is if the tooth color of those new fillings once they were done, they won't bleach. So if you bleach, you may just land up with white patches on your teeth where you have your natural teeth mm. and the, the, the fillings won't bleach and then you, they may look yellow. Mm. So in the care of your teeth, you also won't go and do your own home bleaching because you cannot.
0: So you need to have that done professionally if, if it's needed?
1: Even No, even if you have it professionally done, even the dentist can't bleach existing restorations oh, so they, right. if you really would like to go that route you, and remember I'm now talking about the work that was done mm. let's say maybe in this year or last year or whenever, if you want to go that route it means that those fillings will have to be can I say slightly shaved off and replaced with lighter fillings and that's not simple it's like having your fillings
0: Okay, but over these recent years, you must have seen a lot of new innovations coming in in the dentistry field. Where are we going from here? Have have you sort of got an idea of what's coming?
1: I was um, was thinking about this because I was thinking that maybe this question will come (laughs) up and I must tell you quite honestly, I don't really know because at the moment, the biggest move is in just, they keep on trying to improve on the restorations. For instance, um, the polishing of the restorations, um, how does it bond to the teeth, how does it um, sit, because it's very important to get them properly, we say cured, to get them properly cured so that they will be hard. If they're not properly cured, they can discolor over time. So they're more working on the development of that. Although we already have really excellent materials, it's just around that. Other movements, but that's also not something that is coming in the future, but what we already have, and which is very fast growing, even in South Africa, is the dentists who have the chair site uh, systems, we call it CAD-CAM systems, comput- uh, computer-assisted uh, um, uh, what is it now, design computer-assisted milling, where they do a chair site restoration for you. You walk in, they cut the tooth, they immediately read it with this computer cameras. The design is made up in the computer, and the computer builds a crown and they cement the crown back into your mouth Good all heavens. in a very short while in the same morning. That's incredible. Saying that, it's also something in which dentists have a learning curve, and they need to, I mean, practice, practice, practice before they can do it perfectly.
0: I think the only other <laughs> thing they still need to work on is to try and make us, the rest of us, less scared of the dentist because you mentioned the dentist to anybody and they go oh i don't like the dentist so that's that's the next big thing is to make us not so scared of the dentist
1: you know what i think even there if if the dentist if he needs to drill there are systems for that as well i don't really think we can go that far this evening for instance some dentists will use microabrasion where they don't drill they literally use power power particles and hit the teeth with that and abrade teeth like that if it's very, very small Mm. uh, cavities. And then there's lasers as well. Now there is a lot to say for lasers to drill cavities. There's also uh, a lot to say against lasers, but that um, is also available and some dentists are using that for the, for some of their restorations. But yes, we cannot get away from the drill and I yes. think that's the one thing. And the other thing is the, the injection yes, to numb your mouth. But if, if we use a good injection, nowadays there are injections, uh, in, um, we call it local anesthetic. Mm. There are local anesthetics available that once you've given it, it works immediately, and afterwards, you don't have that funny, yes. tingling, <laughs> numb mouthing, mm. itchy. Horrible feeling, it
0: just works out. It's the one moment it's there, and the next moment it's gone. Oh, I think the next time I go to my dentist, yeah, I think that's Mm -hmm. on my list to mention to my dentist next time I go. I want one of those. (laughs) So, (laughs) Dr. Stradon, thank you so very much for joining me on the show this evening. We've learned quite a lot about the new technology and what's out there. And as I said, maybe we'll all be a little bit of a better experience going off to the dentist in the future. Thank you so much for your time this evening. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Good night to you. Dr. Christina Stradom is Scientific Affairs and Education Manager at 3M ESPE Division, and we were talking there about aesthetic dentistry. Health Matters with Karen Key. From the 15th of May to the 15th of June, it's National Month for the Elderly, and currently there are just over 2.75 million elderly persons. That's people 65 years of age and older. Now, age is the biggest single cause of hearing loss, and hearing loss that develops as a result of getting older is often known as age-related hearing loss, or presbycusis. To tell us more, I'm joined this evening by Christine Rogers. She has many years' experience in all aspects of clinical audiology. She's lectured and taught at four of the major South African universities. She's actively involved in professional societies, as well as on projects for the World Health Organization. Her current areas of interest are diagnosis and management of vestibular disorders, vestibular re rehabilitation therapy, the psychological aspects of vestibular and balance disorders and functional disorders. Christine, good evening. Welcome to the show.
2: Good evening. Thank you very much for inviting me.
0: Now, age-related hearing loss, We've, uh, I think as we get older, a lot of things stop working terribly well and this is another one of those, unfortunately.
2: Absolutely. But I think one of the issues is that it's often something that becomes everybody else's problem as well as the person with the hearing loss. So mm-hmm. hearing loss Impacts on the whole family, and um, it's often associated with other um, issues in terms of things like social isolation and depression, and things like that. So, you often find the person with the hearing loss becoming more withdrawn, and the effort to communicate really does actually affect every facet. Um, of the person's life, and it's very tiring and very challenging to have even simple interactions with with other people.
0: Now, the problem with age related hearing loss is that it does it go quite slowly and you don't really realise it's happening?
2: That's absolutely right, and I think that's one of the things that kind of contributes to um, being able to be in denial for quite a long time. And um, often, you know, when it gets to the point of needing to do something about it, um, often, folks aren't as psychologically young as they used to be, and so the change that is required in order to improve communication and listening behaviors again becomes quite an effort. So, often people do leave it a very long time, and it, it gets to almost kind of uh, critical mass by the time they actually come to the audiologist.
0: Now, does this normally occur in both ears at the same time, or is it one Absolutely. and then the other?
2: Yes, you know, it's definitely both ears at the same time. And should it only occur in one ear, it would always be cause for concern because that would be very unusual. It's sort of like getting wrinkles as you get older. You wouldn't expect to get wrinkles just on one side of your face, but it, it needs to be in both, <laughs> in both ears. And should it be uneven, um, it can signal the need to do further investigations just to make sure that um, it is purely an age-related hearing loss.
0: And what actually happens as we get older that causes this to occur?
2: What happens is in the, in the ear you have very, very fine hair like little structures that are the sort of outer part of the nerve of hearing. And gradually they just get affected by wear and tear and they just, you just lose volume in terms of the number of hair cells and this loss can be accelerated by things like genetic predisposition, use of certain medication, and, of course, noise. So you often find that men have slightly worse hearing loss for their age than women of of the same age category because they've often been exposed to noise in terms of um, industrial applications of noise, military service, and that kind of thing. So and other issues like smoking and things like that can also accelerate this wear and tear process because the in-ear is... Very dependent on oxygen, and so good oxygen supply is really important to keep everything ticking over. But to some extent, there is a loss. It is by the time you're about 80, um, it's sort of at least one in three have got a really marked um, hearing loss.
0: Now, as we get older, the other thing we do a lot more is take medication. Does medication yes. play any role in this at all?
2: It, it depends on what type of medication. It's more of a problem, and I know we're going to talk about uh, dizziness and fall risk and things like that. It's more of a problem for that. But there are certain types of medication that are incredibly toxic to these very delicate structures in the in ear, the And these are particularly medications that are given for very serious illnesses. So they generally tend to be antibiotics that are given in a hospital setting and in an intensive care setting. Um, so, you know, the average over-the-counter stuff is generally not uh, too harmful but as I say, certainly our families of drugs that are incredibly toxic, and the problem is that the loss that they give is actually irreversible, and so um, it's a permanent loss, and this is something that patients often assume. When I stop taking the medication, my hearing will recover, and unfortunately it often doesn't. So it's very important um, to be aware of the drugs that you are being given. And if you already have a hearing loss, you actually warn the doctor that's treating you that you already have a hearing loss, so they choose a drug that is less likely to aggravate it or cause
1: it to progress.
0: Now, the other thing I wanted to chat with you about, uh, Christine, was vertigo. And that, I mean, can occur at any age. And that's not just specifically related to, you know, getting older, but it does affect um, elderly people possibly a lot more.
2: Very very much so. Um, You you know, you do find it in in children, certainly do see it in children. However, it's not that common, but it is very, very much an issue with aging populations. And again, it's something that has really um, quite marked impact on quality of life and again can result in things like fear of falling and fear of going out and baby's behaviors. And, and that can be quite a, a challenge in that patients often get to the point that they're really nervous about going out, out on their own. And again, that impacts on the whole family, with people, younger people having to take time off work to escort um, older people when they need to go out and so on. And the good news is that um, quite a few of the causes of the tiger are actually readily amenable to treatment, and we've had some major breakthroughs in our field in the last 20 to 30 years. That really are life changing in terms of helping patients cope with their symptoms.
0: The terrible thing about the condition, though, is there's absolutely no warning. It just comes upon you.
2: It, it can, it can be, and particularly when it's related to any ear disorder, it can just be completely prolaxing And all you can do is just lie, lie down, and there's often quite unpleasant side effects and, and other symptoms like nausea and profuse vomiting and so on. And that tends to come as a kind of an acute um, sort of stage. Lasting sort of hours to date, but then there are other more um, uh, pervasive forms of dizziness where it can be something that is present but is a low grade almost on a daily basis. So, one of the big keys with me as audiologists do is differentiate between a complaint of vertigo, which is usually a spinning kind of sensation, and then more sort of lightheadedness, moodiness, fainting, all of those sort of symptoms. And all of those also are very common in older adults as well.
0: Now, one of the things that you're involved with is vestibular rehabilitation. Now, vestibular is to do with the inner ear, is that correct? That's
2: right. Vestibular refers to the little balance organs in the inner ear, um, which uh, so anatomically you have um, the hearing area and then just around the corner from that you have got little loops called semicircular canals, and that's where the very sensitive hair cells are that control balance. And they then communicate with the brain and then the eyes. So the eyes and the um, ears actually work together in terms of maintaining control and knowing where your position of your body is and stay from what your head is doing.
0: So what is the rehabilitation and how does that work? I mean, obviously right. there's is treatment now. You can do something.
2: Yes, absolutely. So you can do something. The fibula rehabilitation is essentially retraining the brain to make adjustments when there's been a change in function of the balanced organs. Um, it generally is very, very successful. I think one of the key, key successful outcomes with vestibular rehabilitation is getting the diagnosis right to start off with. So you do need to see somebody reasonably expert in terms of making an accurate diagnosis because the approach in therapy is quite different depending uh, whether you have got damage to one of your balanced organs or both balanced organs. So you need a fair amount of skill to do that. However, the therapy is incredibly successful. You often have really, really impressive gains and turning around patients in as little as six weeks, um, which sounds like a long time, but if you've had a problem for many years... It's a very short time. It's actually... A short time and then also there are some uh, treatments that we can give actually um, at the bedside that cause virtually immediate relief um, from vertigo a particular form of vertigo which is very very common in older people and the um, amount of older people getting it uh, with each increasing decade of life um, it increases quite a lot particularly affects women and that's something called a big mouthful Benign paroxysmal positional vertigo, commonly called BPPV, and this is basically an intense spinning sensation produced by head movements. And it's often rolling over in bed, reaching for something off the top shelf, hanging, washing, checking the rear view mirror, so those kind of very, very quick head movements that trigger it. And this is actually um, a change in wiring in the inner ear, and we can actually do a physiotherapeutic technique to actually relocates the source of the problem and the patient literally gets up off the table and they say, you've done it, I can feel I'm I'm better already. So that's intensely satisfying.
0: (laughs) I find it quite bizarre though because you you think about a condition like this, you're normally standing up, you're feeling dizzy, you want to fall over, but you can also Mm -hmm. get it when you're lying flat down in the bed. Why is that?
2: Yeah, you can. That generally would signal an acute um, kind of issue. Um, either some sort of um, inflammation, particularly of the nerve, which often follows a cough or a cold or a flu. I'm waiting to see if this year's flu round tends to go to the inner ear. We'll have to see about that. But then the one I've just described, it can be triggered by actually turning over in bed. And okay. that's because your inner ear becomes sensitive to head movement in a way that it's not normally programmed to do.
0: Right. The one thing you mentioned it right at the very beginning, and just to finish mm. off with that, is the psychological aspects of, of conditions yeah. like this because that mm. I don't think people understand quite how much it actually affects people emotionally when you have a condition like I, either the, I, the hearing loss or this yeah. vertigo. I
2: think both of these are sort of in, invisible um, kind of um, handicaps or, or um, impairments. And um, it's very, very hard for both hearing impaired and people who have diagnosed disorders for other people to understand, because often the reaction is, but you look okay? Mm. Um, and so these things do tend to be hidden, and they cause an enormous amount of reactive sort of depression and anxiety um, in people who have it. And then obviously a lot of concern in terms of family members, but that's often coupled with sort of frustration, because they, um, these disorders limit activity and participation in daily life so much. And so often, as I say, you do actually get anxiety and depression in response to these problems. And there's a whole body of research, particularly looking at any um, ear disorders in terms of balance, how it actually changes the wiring in the brain in terms of, and as I'm saying brain, not mind, this isn't a, a willful, volitional uh, kind of change in, in thinking. This is actually changing of uh, brain function in response. Um, an inner ear disorder that the wiring actually goes faulty. So it's really important that we identify psychological issues in our busy patients and respond to them. And again, there's incredibly effective um, therapy that can work in conjunction with the vestibular rehabilitation therapy to push um, overall improvements. And again, incredibly successful. But again, it needs to be identified um, sensitively and managed well. And often it's not. The most apparent thing when there's these huge amounts of very impressive symptoms, you know, the limb is spinning, the nauseous, vomiting, and all the rest of it, that often settles within a couple of days or weeks, and then you get this sort of anxiety and depression slowly, slowly building up.
0: I'm going to give out the contact details for the South African Speech Language Hearing Association. And if anybody is needing any assistance or any more information, I would suggest you contact them because they could put you in touch with an audiologist in the area where you live. And, you know, it's a case of if something like this is happening to somebody in your family or possibly to you, don't leave it because there are treatments Mm -hmm. available and it could help to make your life a whole lot better. So, you know, it's one of those things, you know, don't suffer in silence. Please go and get help. There is help out there. Christine, thank you so much for joining us this evening and for giving us the insight into all of that. It's really useful. Thank you very much indeed.
2: Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. Have a good evening. Good night to you. Thank you. Too. Thank bye
2: you. Thank you for inviting me. Bye bye.
0: Pleasure. Bye bye. Christine Rogers is an audiologist with a special interest in the diagnosis and management of vestibular disorders. And we just said this vestibular is the inner ear. For more information, you can contact the South African Speech Language Hearing Association. The number is 086. Triple one three two nine seven, or take a look at the website. It's saslha.co.za. Health Matters with Karen Key. Well, hives, also known as urticaria, affects about 20% of people at some time during their lives, can be triggered by many substances or situations, and usually starts as an itchy patch of skin that turns into swollen red welts. The itching may be mild to severe, and scratching alcoholic beverages, exercise, and emotional stress may worsen the itching. Now, if you suffer from urticaria, there's some good news for you. And to tell us more, I'm joined now by Dr. Ahmed Mandra, a paediatric allergologist in private practice in Durban. Dr. Mandra, can evening welcome to the show good
3: evening thank you for having me and good night to your listeners good evening to your listeners
0: i think before we get into what the good news is just for those possibly who aren't terribly au fait with the term could you just explain exactly what urticaria and allergic rhinitis those are the two conditions we're going to be speaking about tonight exactly what they are
3: well allergic rhinitis is commonly called uh hay fever uh that's a misnomer because allergic rhinitis in south africa is not caused by allergy to pollen only mm. because hay fever specifically refers to a reaction to pollen. The majority of people in South Africa are allergic to house dust mites and other allergens. So, but it's commonly known as hay fever. So these patients have symptoms of a runny nose which is usually chronic or if they're allergic to certain grasses it's usually seasonal. They have nasal obstruction, they have itching of the nose and they have also very watery eyes. So that's called allergic rhinitis, and there is always an identifiable allergy, either by skin prick testing or by blood testing. Urticaria, on the other hand, involves your skin, where you get large wheel and flare reactions on your skin. It can affect any part of the body and can also result in swelling of certain parts of the body, such as your eyes, your lips, and your ears, uh, and that's called angioedema. And urticaria and angioedema often go together. So that's basically the definition of allergic rhinitis and urticaria.
0: Now is there a known cause for urticaria?
3: Well, uh, urticaria is a very heterogeneous disease, it's not a homogenous disease. You get different types of urticaria, so you get allergic urticaria and you get non-allergic urticaria. In allergic urticaria, the the, the cause is usually very obvious, so if you ingest certain foods like peanut or seafood or certain fruit, you will react immediately. The reaction is usually between 3 and 15 minutes. You can react in many different ways. You can react with either urticaria or you can even have a severe reaction called anaphylaxis and urticaria mm. can be part of that reaction. So that's when you know there is an underlying allergy. And the, and the other common cause of urticaria or allergic cause of urticaria is drug allergy. When you're allergic to certain drugs like penicillin or aspirin or non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs or sulfurs, and that can induce acute urticaria. The third common cause is a reaction to infection, due to viral infection that we see in children. Then there's a whole lot of urticarias which are caused by non-allergic causes, and there's two big types, or two large categories of urticaria. The one is called physical urticaria, where there's no allergy, but a reaction to physical stimulation of the skin. So certain people, when they go out into the cold, they get urticaria. Uh, other patients, if they go out into the sun, they get urticaria. The first type is called cold urticaria. The second type is called solar urticaria. And there are many other physical types of urticaria. And then there's a large category of urticaria that we don't know the cause. It's an unidentifiable cause, and we call it chronic spontaneous urticaria. These are patients who have urticaria for more than six weeks. They have it continuously or intermittently, and it can go on for many, many years. In most of these patients, about sixty to 70% of patients, we don't find an identifiable cause, uh, despite extensive tests.
0: It's a very debilitating condition, though. I mean, it affects the quality of life quite severely.
3: Yes, certainly. I mean, they've done many studies and they compared the impairment of quality of life with, in patients with urticaria compared to other disorders. And certainly, the impairment of quality of life with urticaria ranks very, very high compared to many other disorders. It affects your social um, uh, uh, experiences. You can't go out to, uh, you know, socialize because you often get swelling of the face and you get urticarial lesions of the face. You're embarrassed to go out. Uh, It affects your sleep in particular because it's a very, very pruritic condition. It's very, very itchy, and patients can't sleep at night. And that's the biggest problem that these patients have, lack of sleep, because of the severe itching that's associated with urticaria. So yes, certainly it affects the quality of life very, very significantly. It can be debilitating.
0: Now I mentioned that there was good news for people that suffer from urticaria. There's a new drug on the market. It's an, a, Is it a PAF inhibiting antihistamine, dual acting?
3: Yeah, well, there are many drugs that can be used to treat urticaria and this is not the only one, but mm. it's a newer drug. And being newer, it's, it's usually better and also has a better side effect profile. So the usual way of treating urticaria is to use antihistamines now, there are two broad categories of antihistamines. You get sedating antihistamines and you get non-sedating antihistamines. The sedating antihistamines are the very commonly one used, but people often get side effects. They, 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 you know, they, they feel very sleepy, they get constipation, they can get dry mouth and urinary re- retention. So we generally use non-sedating antihistamines so that patients can get on with their lives. They can take the medicines and continue working. And there are many, many different non-sedating antihistamines and I'm not sure if I can mention them on your show, but things like loratadine, there's desloratadine, these are pharmacological names. If you want, I can give you trade names as no, well. No, those are fine. Uh, rupa- uh, uh, Rupatadine is the latest one, and the advantage of it is that it's slightly more potent than the other antihistamines, but it also has an antiplatelet factor uh, activity, which is also a significant mediator that's involved in the pathophysiology of urticaria.
0: What does it mean that has an antiplatelet factor?
3: Well, platelet is a, is a, is a platelet activating factor, is a mediator that aggravates urticaria, so it makes urticaria worse. And rupatidine is anti or anti-platelet activating factor. So it's not only an antihistamine, but it also blocks the other mediators that are produced um, in patients with urticaria.
0: Now, is this something like this new medication that's out now? Would there be people that it would be recommended for them not to take something like this? Sorry, I don't understand. The well, no, if, people, if you're suffering from some other condition possibly, and this new drug is available, and you think, oh, okay. oh gosh, this is going to help it. you. Okay, Are no, there it's, anyone... a, it's a
3: very safe drug, and 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 there's very uh, few um, cross reactions with other drugs because it's not metabolized by the liver. So 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 one can safely use this drug in conjunction with any other drug. It's a very very safe drug to use, and in that aspect, it's also very unique compared to some of the other antihistamines, which you have to use with caution when you when you're using other drugs.
0: And what about children? Because they, they must really suffer. If children suffering from urticaria, it must be awful for them.
3: Yes, we do see a lot of children with urticaria. And I'm a pediatrician, so I do mm. see lots of children with urticaria. Unfortunately, Rupatidine is not registered for children yet. It's only registered from, for, for, for patients 12 years and above. So we don't have a syrup form, and, in, and, and, and one can't use it in, in, in young children because we don't have registration
0: in this country. So what, what do you children, parents who are listening to this, have children with urticaria?
3: Well, there are lots of other medicines that we can use which are equally effective in patients with urticaria. So there are many, many other alternatives available.
0: And is this something that it's one of those things that will never be cured, just treated? Well, the usual
3: uh, lifespan, the prognosis in these patients is that urticaria, uh, patients that have chronic urticaria, it can last for between three and five years. And so is It's not necessarily lifelong. of patients who have chronic urticaria will have it for between three and five years. So there are still 20% that can go on having it for longer than that.
0: Is this something that could possibly be genetic?
3: No. Urticaria is not genetic. It doesn't run in families. It's something that occurs spontaneously, and we're not sure why. We don't understand why. In some patients, there's an autoimmune basis for it. So for some reason, the immune system starts reacting against the body. Um, So it's autoimmune. Your, Your immune system reacts against yourself and in this case produces antibodies against your skin. So that's 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 a mechanism in some patients. But in a large majority of patients, we don't really know the cause of chronic urticaria.
0: Now something like this rupatidine, as you mentioned, obviously that's not the trade, that's just the, the no, that's not the that's, actual that's trade the name. That's the
3: pharmacological name. Rupatidine right. is a pharmacological name.
0: How easy is this to, ask, to to get hold of NISES via script or can you get it oh, over you the can counter? Buy it
3: the counter, it's scheduled too.
0: Uh, schedule two yeah. and it's quite simple and you, as you say it's pretty safe to take and it's side safe
3: to take and um, one can even you know double the dose if you're not getting an adequate response to a single dose so it's very safe to use at very high doses as well.
0: Okay and, and, and if somebody was going to get um, a side effect reaction what would that be? What should they look out for?
3: Well there are a percentage of patients around one to four percent of patients can experience side effects of somnolence so they may feel sedated with it, they may feel sleepy, tired, lethargy, vomiting, diarrhea. This occurs in a very, very small percentage of people. However, I must caution that I, I, I don't want patients to go directly to the pharmacist and ask for mm. the patadine. They should use it with the supervision of their doctors
0: absolutely that is always the case you know we be not doctors ourselves we don't know, really know what we're doing and it's always best especially with something new like this and with a condition like urticaria which is quite a severe condition we yeah. shouldn't try and treat it ourselves what we
3: can do is ask their doctors about this new drug and mm. the doctor then can advise them whether it's suitable for them or
0: not okay and we'll just tell them now that the, the pharmaceutical name for it is well that you would buy it as is rupinase is that correct rupinase is, the, is a trade name trade name yes. the pharmacological name is rupatidine okay so there's, there's there is some hope out there for those of you with urticaria, something new. As, as we've said now, please go and speak to your doctor about it. Don't go and do it yourself. Dr. Manjra, thank you very much indeed for joining us on the show this evening and filling us in on that. I'm sure a lot of people out there are very happy to hear this. So thank you very much indeed for your time. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Good night to you. Bye. Bye-bye. Dr. Ahmed Manjra is a pediatric allergologist in private practice in Durban, and we were talking there about a new product called Rupanase. It's a powerful, new, innovative, second-generation antihistamine. And if you missed that or you'd like to know how to spell it or any more information, I do have some background information on that. You can just drop me a mail to healthmatters at safm.co.za, and I will send you the information that I have. Health Matters with Karen Key. Well, a new way of ingesting vitamins by spraying them under the tongue has been shown by research to be more effective in delivering nutrients to the body than by pills or capsules. Andrew Thomas, founder of UK based health company Better You, is currently in South Africa to promote his oral sprays and he joins me now. Andrew, good evening. Welcome to the show and welcome to South Africa.
4: Well, thank you very much indeed. It's lovely to be here.
0: Before we get into the actual uh, vitamin sprays, I have to congratulate you. You were voted the UK's Small Business Entrepreneur of 2014. How did you manage that? <laughs>
4: It's, oh, no, no, thinks that an entrepreneur is someone who uh, is, 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 is um, on their own and, and they're, they're, they're striving through business with, with uh, no one around them. But I've got a very, very good team of like-minded people, so I'm very, very fortunate. In fact, um, earlier in 2014, I was voted Micro Entrepreneur of the Year um, by Citibank. So, so I think it just shows how quickly a, a company can grow. So now we're Small Business Entrepreneur of the Year.
0: Well, well, what does it be next year? Big business. Well, maybe medium. medium. Oh, too oh, oh. South Africa works very well for us. Oh, good. Now, this, your natural health company, Better You, it's been described as pioneering and innovative. Tell me a little bit about the innovations that have made the company so successful.
4: Well, um, Better You specializes in the uh, nutrients, of so the vitamins and minerals, that have been either increasingly omitted or simply lost through our changing and dramatically changing diet and lifestyle. And we talk about diet and lifestyle. It's, it's not just really what we eat. It's always also how we live our life. Um, and so we concentrate on those nutrients that have been omitted. And we focus on them and we develop products that are as bioavailable as we can possibly make them and deliver it in a way that actually delivers them far faster and more efficiently than anything else on the marketplace.
0: Now, how different is your vitamin mouth spray or vitamin spray that you spray under the tongue? Now, mm. how, how different is that to popping a pull?
4: Well, um, uh, digestively, we're all dramatically different. So you and I would digest um, a tablet very differently. Um, you actually digest a tablet differently in different times of the day and also how, uh, how um, well you are as well. Um, there's a number of, uh, of illnesses. We all know people with colitis or celiac disease mm. or Crohn's disease who can really struggle to, to digest effectively. But um, our production of, uh, of um, you know, um, stomach acid, uh, is also dramatically impaired, and there are certain drugs on the marketplace, um, a number of diabetes drugs. I, I'm, a, uh, I'm an asthmatic myself, so I've been on a number of um, steroid-based inhalers for a long period of time until I, I, I managed to stop them about eight years ago. Uh, and all these drugs, um, and antacids as well, will impede our ability to digest nutrients from food, but more importantly, um, impede our ability to digest nutrients from uh, from, from tablets. So the fastest way of getting certain um, active ingredients into the the bloodstream is either through lungs, which is why smoking is so addictive, Um, the nasal cavity, which is a little bit intrusive and slightly uncomfortable, or a wonderful route is sublingually, which is basically the sub, under, and lingual of the tongue, so uh, basically into the mouth. The mouth has an amazing uh, effect because it's a very, very soft, absorbent tissue and it has a rich vascular system directly underneath the skin. So you can deliver active ingredients very, very quickly, uh, and it's very, very convenient.
0: Could I ask you about the research? I mean, there must have been research to back sublingual vitamin sprays, and if so, what did the research find?
4: Yeah, no, um, so we have uh, an affiliation in the United Kingdom with a number of universities, but one in particular is Cardiff University, and there's a, a great uh, professor there called Dr. Charles Hines uh, um, and he, uh, he basically has done research looking at how well absorbed certain nutrients are through the mucosal membrane, so the membrane in the mouth. Um, and, you know, one of our sprays, the vitamin D spray, um, which actually you, um, you absorb through our skin's exposure to um, UVB radiation in the sun, um, the vitamin D is very, very well absorbed through the mucosal membrane in the mouth. In fact, there was a, a trial uh, by um, a laboratory in India called called Epicare, and it was done in 2013, and they took um, 14 healthy individuals, these are individuals who showed good signs of vitamin D, and 14 unhealthy individuals, and these are individuals who showed signs of of low levels of vitamin D, so vitamin D deficiency. And when compared with 1,000 international units tablet and 1,000 international units of our the healthy individuals increased their vitamin D absorption by 167%, and the unhealthy individuals, the ones who showed signs of vitamin D deficiency, increased their level of absorption by 223%.
1: That's a dramatic
4: increase. Um, So this is a very, very, very effective, very fast way of getting vitamins um, into the body. In fact, um, uh, we have uh, a vitamin B12 spray as well, and B12... It's a very difficult vitamin to absorb um, in, in the gut because it's a large molecule. Uh, it, it's found in red meats, awful. So those with restricted diets, you know, vegetarians, vegans, will certainly not have it given to them at all. Um, but as I said, most of us who think we do have... Um, a, a decent diet, we'll also find it difficult because of the, the digestive efficiency that we're all developing now and so by um, uh, applying B12 through the mouth it's a fantastic way of, 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 um, of guaranteeing supplementation and I think that's one of the things that, that, that we pride ourselves on and because of the research that we've done and we're a small new company so we have to do this research. We can't just rely on our brand identity so that everybody knows us. No one knows us and we understand that so it's all about research. Um, uh, and uh, we can guarantee a level of absorption that you simply can't with a tablet.
0: Now you mentioned the B twelve and vitamin D. What other products are you are you promoting at, the, at uh, you know, so, sublingual um, sprays?
4: Yeah. So, so so nine years ago, I developed um, a, a, a range of transdermal magnesium sprays. This is magnesium chloride mm. hexahydrate that you absorb through the skin, and magnesium is a wonderful relaxant. So it, it, it relaxes muscles, but it also helps calcium to become soluble. And basically, calcium um, in any Western diet has a, has a high level compared to, to our traditional diet. Um, and large levels of calcium undissolved is actually a danger. We need calcium to strengthen bones and bone density. But undissolved calcium is basically insoluble and settled in soft tissue around joints and muscles and as cholesterol plaque in arteries. And so the magnesium is a wonderful way of breaking down that calcium, allowing the calcium to enter the bone, and relaxing muscles. Basically, calcium makes muscles contract, and magnesium allows muscles to relax. So there basically is no relaxation without um, a, a, a good level of magnesium. And we, um, uh, we produce magnesium in flake form, and it's a very, very pure form. Um, we, we actually mine it in northern Holland, and it's, it's in effect evaporated seawater. And when you evaporate seawater, a number of salts emerge. The first salt you get is sodium chloride, normal table salt, which is very stable. But if you keep on evaporating the water out of that table salt, you then get magnesium sulfate, also known as epsom salt. But if you keep on evaporating the water thereafter, you end up with a salt called bishophyte, or magnesium chloride hexahydrate. It's the most pure natural form of magnesium. Um, it's incredibly well absorbed and perfectly well retained by the body. Um, and that was really what I started the company with. Um, uh, being an asthmatic, I had typically Western diet for me, high level of calcium, high dairy, low level of magnesium, magnesium, dark greens, um, whole grains, nuts, berries. And so by replacing the calcium with magnesium, I was able to give my body some mineral equilibrium. Um, and As I say, for the last eight years, I've been off my steroid inhalers. So as a straw pull of one, it's helped me. But it was really my, my work with Cardiff University, looking at the absorption of magnesium, when actually uh, Charles uh, suggested that we looked at the sublingual route as an alternative for certain other vitamin supplementation. And so that was a very very exciting discovery for us.
0: Now you operate, <coughs> excuse me, in a very overtraded market, the vitamin and supplement industry. How do you actually manage to stand out in that world?
4: That's uh, a, a very good question, actually, very good question. Um, it, it, it does seem um, overtraded. It seems like there's an awful lot of choice out there. The thing is that um, the vitamin market has been, um, has been has been has uh, been has seen a lot of products enter it, but not a lot lot of innovation. The key here is convenience and effectiveness. What we wanted to make sure is that people who maybe resisted the vitamin world and thought, well, is it really for me, we made it as convenient as possible for them to take a supplement and then guarantee them that what they did take would actually work, that they would, they would um, actually receive the vitamin they were paying for. So, you know, no one has money to throw away. And um, quite a lot of the vitamins and minerals, that, you know, for example, I mentioned B12. The so B12 in a tablet form, you'll absorb less than 1% of the active ingredient of B12 in a tablet form. So that's a waste of money. So if you, can, if you can guarantee a level of absorption through an alternative, a more convenient uh, delivery mechanism, then I think it's it's only right that should happen.
0: Now, as I mentioned, you're currently in South Africa promoting the business Better You, but in South Africa, they're very strong pro and anti-vitamin schools of thought. What's your take on those who say vitamins don't work?
4: Yeah, okay, well, um, say vitamins don't work. I mean, we all need vitamins and we all need minerals. I mean, we are a mineral-based life form, and so we need uh, minerals to keep our, our health and keep us going. We also need vitamins. But we do believe in foods first. Absolutely right. A healthy, balanced diet with a good level of exercise is absolutely key to a healthy body and, uh, and, and, uh, and to uh, resist health issues. So absolutely. However, that is simply not good enough these days. Our lives have dramatically changed over the past certainly the past 50 years absolutely in the past 100 years Vitamin D, for example, there are very, very few foods that would deliver vitamin D to a level that would sustain life and sustain a healthy body. So the only food really that would sustain it would be um, oily fish, okay? And if you take wild Alaskan salmon, a, um, a portion of that every day, yeah, that's fine. But if it's farmed, then you're looking at a fifth, only a fifth of the vitamin D that it would produce. Vitamin D has to come from our skin's unprotected exposure to sunshine. And we live a dramatically internal existence now. Well, um, and the, the, So, so uh, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I've spent the vast majority of my life either covered up with clothes or indoors.
0: And the problem here in South Africa with the heat and the sun, we, we've told don't go out without all your sunblock on. And so we're either dashing in and out of the house or in and out of the building. And we've got the sunblock. So we actually, we've got all the sun. We just don't use it because we're terrified of the skin cancer, you know, that going down that road. So it's sort of a catch-22. Well, oh,
4: right. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, we're, 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 we um, we export to a number of countries around the world now, and we see vit- the vitamin D deficiency is a completely universal problem. Mm. We export to the Middle East, um, you know, uh, Australia, and, and you know, in these places, India has a dramatic vitamin D deficiency problem. And actually, it was it was in it was in, um, it was in the, the papers just the other day where the Ministry of Health said that there was a, a, a cataclysmic rise in vitamin D deficiency and an increase in rickets, which really is obscene. It should be eradicated now. We've understood that rickets is directly related to vitamin D deficiency, mm. and yet they're saying that they've got a 90% deficiency rate in, in India.
0: And they have loads of sun. Yes, it's like us. It's,
4: it, it's, uh, it's a modern internal existence that's having a catastrophic effect.
0: And when we do go outside, we're so covered up that we don't get the benefit of the sun anyway. So, you know. Well, you're absolutely right.
4: And it's quite interesting because darker skin pigmentation will actually resist um, the the aging effects and the dangerous effects of UVA ra- uh, radiation, mm. which is great, but it also um, resists the, uh, our ability to absorb UVB radiation, which is what we need to absorb uh, and and uh, and uh, develop vitamin D. Um, and if you've got fair skin, absolutely, we're told to cover up, and rightly so. You don't want to burn, um, and you don't want to, um, you know, you you don't want to expose your skin to to uh, the, the dangers of UVA, and so we cover up with factor And some factor above 15 yes. will effectively block UVB radiation and stop our development of, of vitamin D. And in fact, um, most um, cosmetics now have a, an SPF factor of about 15.
0: So it's a bit of a catch-22 there. Now, <laughs> you know, Andrew, you're in South Africa. I'm assuming to promote Better You as the company or your products here?
4: That's right, yes. We, we're on a bit of a, a journey. We've uh, just, just flown in. Uh, we're in Durban at the moment, um, just flown in from Johannesburg. Um, we're training the um, the staff and nutritionists at Dischem. They um, they're they're, uh, they're exclusively uh, taking our, our product range to the South African market, and um, they've been incredibly welcoming and, and very very enthusiastic about this.
0: It's rather exciting. So all these products, if we go into the disk we can find them. And uh, it's a whole new way Absolutely. of taking your vitamins. I actually rather like the idea of not having to swallow the pills, because I always have a problem with them getting stuck in my throat anyway. So yeah. rather spraying them under my tongue, it sounds like a whole better way to go for me anyway. But um, Absolutely. You know, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us and enjoy the rest of your stay here in South Africa. I hope we'll see you back again soon.
4: Oh, I can't wait to return. It's been the most wonderful experience, I must yes. admit. It's well, f- is it your first so time. Thank you
0: very much indeed for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, this is your first time here in South Africa. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Oh, well, you'll have so to come I'm, back. I can't wait to come back. Yeah, we'll see you again soon then. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. It's a pleasure. Thanks. Good night Bye-bye. to you. Bye-bye. Andrew Thomas is the founder of UK-based health company Better You. Now, Better You products, as you heard him say, are available at Dischem, but you can also take a look at the website. It's Better You. that's Y-O-U, the whole word, betteryou.com. And that's it for Health Matters for this week. I'm Karen Key. Thanks for joining me. And I'll be back with you again tomorrow evening just after nine with time to travel. So join me then. And don't forget there's a list of available documents for Health Matters. If you'd like any of them, take a look at the Facebook page, Health Matters, On SAFM or drop me an email to healthmatters at safm.co.za. And coming up, it's time to travel tomorrow. We're off to Swaziland with Anel Portketa. Quite quite an hilarious trip she had. So have a listen out for that and all sorts of other exciting things. We're going to be doing an oyster festival in Johannesburg, wine and oysters in Joburg. That sounds fabulous. So um, that's coming up on the show tomorrow night, plus a whole lot of other things. So stay tuned for that. But right now, it's Stephen Koker with some nighttime music. Hello, Stephen.